Welcome to the Founding Fearless podcast. We're your hosts, Ingrid and Cameron, and we're here to support you through your journey in becoming a fearless leader and discovering your inner confidence. We are talking all things entrepreneurial through a college woman's lens. We hope to leave you feeling empowered after each episode. Enjoy! In this episode, we are interviewing author, coach, and licensed therapist, Vasavi Kumar. Through her communication training, consulting, and programs, Vasavi helps her clients, which include entrepreneurs, executives, athletes, and celebrities, to be more comfortable, confident, and in control during media interviews, telepresentations, and interpersonal communication so that they can show up confidently. As a first-generation Indian immigrant, she made her parents proud by going to Columbia University to receive her second master's in social work. As an on-camera personality, actress, and comedian, she brings out the uniqueness in each of her clients so that they can go from self-conscious to self-expressed on and off the camera. Vasavi has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Fox, VH1, and was a regular on NBC's Kansas City Live as the Keeping It Real guru. Vasavi's new book, Say It Out Loud, is available for pre-order now and drops May 16th. Please welcome Vasavi Kumar to the Founding Fearless podcast. We are so excited to interview Vasavi Kumar on the Founding Fearless podcast. Vasavi, thank you so much for coming on. Cameron and Ingrid, thank you so much for having me here today. Of course. Well, we know that you're super busy, so we're so glad that you're here with us. And so let's get this conversation started. So to start things off, we would love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Beautiful question. Um, So I'm a licensed therapist. I'm also a voiceover artist. I'm the author of the upcoming book, Say It Out Loud. I was born in Coney Island, New York. I was raised on Long Island, New York. I got my um, undergrad degree from Hofstra University on Long Island. I got my bachelor's in sociology. I got my first master's in special ed from Hofstra University, and I got a second master's at Columbia University for social work. That is awesome. So when you were younger, did you always know that you wanted to go into social work or what were you thinking that you wanted to go into? What a great question. No, I had, no, I did not as a kid say, I want to be a therapist and just listen to people all day. I will say this, (laughs) and I think this is really important for everyone listening. You know, what you're good at as a kid what you're good at as a child can inform a lot of our career choices. I don't regret any of the choices that I made. I, you know, and I say this in my book, say it out loud. I mediated my parents from a very young age. I grew up in a pretty argumentative house. It wasn't, you know, I I did not, I'm not one of those people that's like, my house was like amazing. It was so peaceful. Like, no, my house was chaotic and I was really good at helping mediate my parents. I was a very good counselor to my parents. And I think I took that when I, when I got older and had to decide what I wanted to do with my life, I was like, well, you know, I'm really good at helping people like talk and I'm a very good listener. And I, I and I always listen beneath the surface. I've just done that from a young age. Cause I kind of was forced into that role because I was playing my parents therapist. And so that's why I became a therapist. That's why that's the real reason why. And number two, I had started therapy when I was 12 years old. So I was in therapy from the age of 12 continuously until I got married at the age of 28. I'm no longer married now, but I was in therapy for 16 years straight. So yes, it was not only my personal experience of, you know, mediating my parents from a young age, but then also going to therapy myself when I was 12 and loving it. Like therapy is amazing. Everyone needs to be in therapy, not all the time for your whole life. There are seasons, like there have been seasons where I go every week. And now I'm in a season where I go every other week, you know, so it, it's my point is it's it was a I chose the profession because I saw how helpful therapy was for me. And then I decided to become a therapist. OK, I love that story. And that must be so you know really incredible that you went through, you know, you went to see a therapist when you were younger. And now you're in the position to help mm-hmm. other people. That's that's so incredible. And I love hearing those stories like that. Thank so. You. Maybe you're ready to answer this a little bit, but I love asking this question is what was your first job out of college? So it sounds like you went to graduate school. I don't know about right after or not, but were you immediately a licensed therapist or how did that look like? 
Ingrid, that's such a great question that I'm smiling because um, I think I, if I could have had it my way, I would have stayed a professional student my whole life because I love to learn. Um, but after I got, okay, so after I got out of my graduate, my undergraduate, I went straight into my first master's. After I graduated with my first master's in special ed, we had to student teach and do all that stuff. And I decided that the American school system and me working in it was not for me. I was not, I didn't like the way the children were treated. I did not like the way that it was, the, the standardized testing was so pushed. It was just all about the, the grades, the grades, the grades, not even actually seeing, are these kids actually learning? Are they actually growing emotionally? Or are we just pushing them onto the next? So I decided I'm not gonna teach. I did have just gotten a master's in special ed. And I said to my parents, I don't wanna work right away. I want to volunteer now. So I went to India actually for an entire year. I worked with survivors of sex trafficking and I used what I had learned in my master's um, to help these young girls who were survivors of sex trafficking in India. That's what I did right after my first master's. And then while I was in India, I realized um, that I really loved the one-on-one -on -one experience of working with people too, because when I was volunteering in India between my first and second master's, I I really just got to experience so many beautiful young girls and their stories. And I was like, I just was so moved. And then when I was thinking about what's my next step, what am I doing when I get back to the U.S. from India? I said, you know, I think I want to be a therapist. I, I want to go into social work. I want to help people. Um, and then I went to Columbia and that was in 2008. 2008, I started at Columbia. And then after I graduated, that masters, you're going to be like, okay, did you finally start working? No, I didn't. <laughs> um, back in 2010 is when the economy was doing really poorly. A lot of people were being let go from their jobs. There was a lot of like stuff on Wall Street that was going on. And um, there was a crash, I believe. I remember this was so long ago, but in 2010, my mom's friend had sent me an article about this new industry called the coaching industry. And I said, I read it. And what I had loved that the coaching industry was all about helping people with their present and creating their future. And I thought to myself, well, I'm a really good therapist and I have worked with people and I've worked with myself on healing my past. And now I can take coaching and then I can help people with their present and their future. So then I, after my first master, second master's, excuse me, I went into a year long coaches training program where they encourage us to start our own businesses and start our own coaching practice. This was 10 years ago when the coaching industry just started. So I've, I've been in the coaching industry since it began in 2010. And that's what I've been doing for the past 11 years. I've run my own business as both a licensed therapist and a coach. And, you know, with that, I've added on many other revenue streams, which we can get into, but, you know, I speak, I teach, I do hosting, uh, I run groups for people, I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, and I, I have found a way to do it in, in a way that's authentically me. That's so interesting. And actually, I took a social work uh, class last semester, so I feel like I have a little introduction into this world. And honestly, something that we didn't talk about a lot was the intersection between social work and entrepreneurship, which I feel like is something that you were just kind of touching on. So was that um, class that you had taken or that course with, about coaching, was that your first thing that kind of sparked entrepreneurship or what was a memory that you yeah. can remember? Absolutely. Because I remember when I was in this coaching program, one of the things, oh my God, they asked us to do this. They asked us. So my, my coaching program, it took place once a month uh, right by Grand Central Station in, in, in New York City, right? And one of our assignments was to go to Grand Central Station and ask five people for a dollar and then also give five people a dollar and say, hey, you want a dollar? Hey, you want a dollar? And hey, can I borrow a dollar? not borrow. Can I have a dollar? Right. That's really the, the foundation of entrepreneurship is you buy something, you, you create something, you sell it, someone pays you money for it. That's it. You've had, you have a problem, you solve it. People pay you for that problem that you're solving the solution. So they taught us even with money, like to like, we, I, I am, we immersed, we immersed into like the world of entrepreneurship from day one. That was one that was like three months into my year long training program. And that's when I was like, wow, it's really hard for me to ask people for money. 
And I feel weird just randomly giving someone money. So it was really my own relationship to asking and receiving. We worked on that in my coaching program. And that definitely helped me as an entrepreneur. We did not touch on that in social work school. Social work school is very much about the client. It's not so much about looking out for yourself. That's why social workers are paid next to nothing. We're not taught to make money. We're taught to help others. So I'm really grateful that I have both the social work experience, not only academically, but also in my own personal life. I, I went through therapy since I was 12 years old. Um, and then also I have the experience of entrepreneurship where it's, I learned how to basically take the best parts of me, package it and monetize it and put a price tag on it. Well, yeah. that's so incredible. And I just find it so inspiring that you also found your voice, I think through this yeah. whole experience, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. So what advice would you recommend to, let's say, our listeners who are primarily female identifying college-age students, what are some ways that they can start to find their voice at this stage? I know it's very early, but what are some tangible advice? I'm, I never think it's too early to find your voice. I'm 40 years old right now. You do not need to wait till you're 40. Everything I share from comes from my mistakes. I'm like, wait, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Here's what you need to do. So at the age when I was 20 years old, what I wish I would have done to find my voice is I would have really stayed true to my values. You know, I tried way too hard to fit in. I got very involved with drugs from a, at college, like almost immediately. And I'm a very, I'm, I was a very smart kid, like very smart kid. Like I was in the school of management, but I got really caught up with wanting to be like everybody else and feel like I had to keep up with the Joneses, right? I got to keep up with all the cool girls and all the girls in the sororities and this, and I wasn't part of any of that. So I sacrificed my own values so I could fit in. And so the best thing that I can say to you you know, you're trying to find your voice is like, listen to yourself, like be true to yourself and don't be afraid to say it out loud. Like if you don't want to go out on a Friday night bar hopping, because you'd rather like stay home, cook a beautiful meal and watch a great movie in your amazing, tar you know, target pajamas, like go do that, like live your best life. And like, don't feel like you have to be like everybody else. Also, you know, Question everything you've been told about what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a girl. Oh, don't rock the boat. Oh, honey, don't make a big deal. Oh, don't ask for you want. Screw all of that. No, you got to ask for what you want. You got to be bold and ask for what you want. And if you don't know what you want, you have a great opportunity to get to know who you are. Because if you don't know what you want, it's because you don't know who you are. And you have the opportunity to find out who you are, find out what you like, find out what you don't like. You don't have to be one of those people that's like, oh, I'm down for whatever. Like you can be down for whatever. I definitely have my down for whatever moments, but not when it comes to my life. I'm not going to just be down for whatever. No, I, I'm very clear on who I am and I'm not afraid to live according to that. I don't even need to let the whole world know these are my morals. These are my values. No, I just live according to them. I don't need to explain myself to you. I am the embodiment of my values. And so what I want to say to everyone listening is don't be afraid to be you and be true to you and like listen to your voice inside of you. That's like, don't do that. That's a bad idea. I would not talk to that person. I would not waste your energy. Like listen to that part of you that knows and don't keep questioning it, you know, and the voices that I do want you to question are the ones that tell you you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Like there are some voices inside of us that we need to question and be like, what, what are you talking about? That's not even true. Or, you know what I mean? And then there are some voices that we really got to listen to, which is the voice that's like, I like to call it the voice of God. It's your higher power. It's universe. It's the one that always has your back and wants you to be true to you. So that's how you find your voice. You, you, you listen to yourself and, and you use it and you say it out loud. Yeah, I love that. Oh my gosh. Like, I think that's so important. Just, I love how you also brought in the fact about just like knowing who you are and like saying, like sticking to your values, right? That's yes. exactly what you were just saying. And I think that's so crucial, especially to our listeners who are maybe freshmen or just joining UT. I mean, I even saw that for me as a freshman, you know, and now growing and I'm a senior about to graduate. I think I've seen in myself, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I see in myself, like taking more ownership and like what you just said, like, you know what, I'm drinking tea. I'm going to stay home <laughs> or yeah. something like that. And taking yeah. ownership over that and being like, yeah, that's okay. It's okay. Own. And, and I want to say own, own your experiences, own your life. Like I don't wait 
for someone to say, Hey, you want to have fun on Saturday? I literally look at my calendar for the week and I still do this every week on a Sunday. It's on my calendar. I look at the week and I schedule in my fun. I schedule in my play. I schedule in my dance class. I schedule in, you know, my creative projects. And of course I'm still running a business, right? My clients, my this, my dad, you know, I don't wait for someone to come knocking on my door, giving me an opportunity. Even this podcast interview, y'all didn't reach out to me. I reached out to you. And one would think like, oh, well, you're the author of this book. Like, no, I'm doing my own PR. You have to be shameless in what you want and go and ask for it. And don't wait for anyone to give you your life because no one's coming. No one's coming. Yeah, it's you. you. This actually segues perfectly into our next question, which is about imposter syndrome, which I feel Mm -hmm. like everyone definitely experiences, but I feel like women definitely experience it at a higher rate. So um, just what are some, what's some advice that you would give to people listening that are experiencing imposter syndrome and help them through these feelings? So this definition of imposter syndrome really freed me. I always think of, okay, so first of all, have you seen the movie Bambi? You know, Bambi with the deer. So when Bambi, Bambi is just learning how to walk. Bambi's wiggly and wobbly. Bambi has Bambi legs because she's like a little baby deer. She doesn't know how to be like a full grown woman deer and just like walk tall and walk tall and proud and boldly. So she's wobbly, right? That's what imposter syndrome is. It's like this old part of you. That's like, no, 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 no. This is scary. Don't be this confident. Oh my God. You're going to venture out and take that risk. No, no, no. We're going to fall. Oh my God. This is going to be, it's just a part of you that's scared that you're leaving it behind that you're taking that risk. I'm when I, get that feeling of imposter syndrome, I say to myself, good. I'm outgrowing parts of myself. I'm stepping into a bolder version of me. I'm stepping into a truer part of me. Of course, there's this part of Vasavi that's like, hell no, please don't do that. You don't want to rock the boat. What if people think you're arrogant? What if people think this? What if they think you're a fake? It's like, no, I'm not, right? It just, I love that reframe with imposter syndrome because it showed me I was on the right track. You know, and here's what I want to say. If you do not feel confident in a skill set, go get skilled in it, right? So sometimes your imposter syndrome might be like, oh, I don't feel really qualified to do this. So you can use that voice and ask yourself, like, is there a gap in my knowledge? Or is this me just scared because I'm taking a step in this direction? You know, and you get to be honest with yourself. Like I have a client right now and he's like thinking about, he's like, should I get a, a degree in this or that? I go, well, Based on everything you know now and everything you've learned, do you feel confident in walking a client through a certain process or whatever? And he was like, yeah, I go, okay, great. Keep doing that. And when you come up against like a certain issue over and over again, you might just need to get educated, go get educated, right? That doesn't mean you don't go do the thing. Like when you feel that way, it's either, oh, is this new? Is this, am I just kind of scared? Cause it's new? Probably. Yes. Most definitely. And number two, oh, I've just started at this new job and I'm in this position that I can't believe I'm in and I feel like such a fake. Are you a fake? Are you just in a new job and you need some time under your belt and you need to learn and you need to make a few mistakes? Like, I think women, we have been conditioned to think so small about ourselves. We are so powerful. Women need to realize that the patriarchy benefits from keeping us small and insecure because the scariest thing for a man is the power of a woman. So true. Yeah. So true. Don't, and I don't also let, don't and, and and do not let the don't let anyone influence you and make you think that your strength is something for you to be scared of. No, I, I think that's so important. And I think it's so true also to what you were saying previously about like you you run your life that no one's gonna bring it to you. You have to be the one that sends the email and does it. And I, you know, I wanna bring the conversation back a little bit to your experience and your journey. So I know that you have were the past former co-host of Studio 512. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into that space? Um, and how did you make this transition into TV and being in front of the camera? So you need to know that I was raised in front of the camera. My father and mother are both immigrants from India, and they came to the U.S. in 1976. And 1976, they came to the U.S. And, you know, my dad, like most Indian dads, just followed us around with their camcorder. And everywhere we went, my father was always there. He was always there. And he would say, (laughs) Vachi, my family calls me Vachi, Vachi, smile. Like I just, I got, I was used, it made my dad happy. 
anything to make my dad happy, right? Like that's how I got my dad's attention. I was playful in front of the camera. So I learned from a young age how to be playful in front of a camera. I'm very comfortable in front of the camera. I work with my clients on this and they, and they compare themselves to me. I go, don't, I've literally been in front of a camera since I was a kid. It's easy. Ask me to go, you know, do like ballet or something or watch a football game. I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, like, it's just, it's like what you put in more hours with. So I have a lot of hours in front of a camera, just being myself. And I owe my father for that because he, he really just, he literally, there was a camera in our face for everything. And so <laughs> when I started my business in 2010, I, I just remember thinking, okay, I didn't even know what marketing was. I didn't even know what marketing meant. Like, I didn't even like know I had to know about marketing, but I knew that I needed people to know about my business. I just didn't know it was called marketing. And so I just would reach out to like different places and I would be at different convention centers and set up a booth. And I just like, oh, I, I wanna, I'm gonna start advertising my life coaching and my therapy business. And I just I didn't know what I was doing y'all. I was 28 years old. You know what I mean? I just, I didn't know anything. But I loved television and I've always like, even as a kid, I'd walk around with an imaginary mic. Like I still to this day, have an, I use my remote <laughs> or I'll, I'll like have an imaginary mic. So then let's fast forward to, I got married, I, I, I moved to Kansas and I was just a new budding life coach, therapist, newly married. And there was this new morning show in Kansas called Kansas City Live. And I had been a radio show host in Kansas city. And I was interviewing New York times, self-help authors. Okay. And I decided I want to be on television. I, I want everyone listening to this to just see how little I overthink my mm -hmm. inspiration. Okay. This is really the point. Like, listen to what I'm saying about, like, just really ask yourself where in your life do you overthink your desires? So I knew I wanted to be on TV. I asked a friend of mine who was in the media. I said, hey, how do I like get on television? Like, what if I could do like a weekly or a monthly lifestyle expert segment, you know? And I've been like hearing people like doing that. You were starting to see more like lifestyle people on TV. This was back in 2012 at this point. Yeah, wow, 2012, 2011, 2012. So I found, I just Googled, or she might've put me in touch with the new host of this show. Her name was Michael Mackey. I wrote him a simple email. And I want to say this to your audience. It was a simple email. It was like, hey, my name is Vasavi Kumar. I, I'm a radio show host. I'm a first-generation Indian immigrant. I'm a licensed therapist. I also work with my clients on this. I'd love to offer some lifestyle tips on your morning show. Here are some of the topics, confidence, career, relationships, whatever. They invited me in the next day to talk to the producers. And the day after that, it was my first live segment. I did my first live segment. The next day, I had to come up with the topic, this, that. And yeah, then they had me on their live morning show basically twice a month for a year and a half. So I got really used wow. to being in front of the camera. So <laughs> then fast forward now, when I became a co-host on Studio 512, that was September of 2018. I was there until March of 2019. And, um, it was, it was, I wasn't, um, a lifestyle expert. I was an actual host. So it's a whole different ball game. I have a mic in my, I have a, I have an earbud in my ear. I have producers talking to me. I have to read the teleprompter. It's like, I was thrown into this whole new world. Very scary. I also was not personally doing well, um, emotionally, mentally, I was not doing well, but you know, I think the point that I want to hit home and, and close the loop on your question is I follow what makes me happy. If something lights me up, if something excites me, I don't question it. I don't, yeah. I, I, I give myself the gift of pause. So if something excites me now, I do sit with it for a little, just like a little bit, but like if something's exciting and I'm like ready to go, I follow that spark. I follow it. I don't question it or anything. Um, so yeah, so being on television has been one of the most fun experiences. I know I'll be back. Like I, I, I want to go back be back on television and I'm saying it out loud and I want everyone listening to say out loud what they want. I want to be back on television. I, I don't know what capacity, but I know I belong in front of a camera. So if, if there's anything you can take from just me sharing the story is, you know, just because you tried something, let's say it didn't work out, consider it might've been your internal state, the environment, it just was not divine timing. It was not meant to work out. Like that's okay. Don't lose hope on that thing that you did, that you loved, that maybe didn't work out then. Cause like, you don't have to lose hope in that. You just have to try it again. You know what I mean? In a different way, yeah. in a, in a new season in your life. 
No, I think that's so incredible. And I love how you said that you didn't, you know, you didn't ponder it too much. I mean, you thought about it, right? You allowed some time to pause, but you, you went after it. And I think that spark that you were mentioning is so useful, not only in, you know, extracurricular things, but also as a student, you know, reaching out to a professor, getting help if you need help, you know, I will say this to everyone here you know, listening, and especially because you're all interested in entrepreneurship, the greatest skill that you can really learn is how to talk to anyone about anything. Like, do not be afraid of people. Do not be afraid to reach out to people. Do not think the worst of people. Stop telling yourself that you're a burden. I don't want to be annoying. Like I followed up with y'all probably two or three times. I have no problem (laughs) being persistent. It's how you do it. No guys, I know it's how you do it, right? Like I was never rude. I wasn't like you guys. I am persistent because I believe in what I'm sharing. I believe in my book. I believe in the principles of my book. So I want everyone listening to this. Like it's not about you at the end of the day. It is, but it isn't. But if you have a product that you know will change lives, if you have a story, if you have a mission, a nonprofit, whatever it is, like you got to make it bigger than yourself. This is why I don't have shame reaching out to people. I don't think about, oh my God, I don't want to annoy Ingrid or Cameron. No, because it's not about Vasavi. It's about say it out loud. It's about this book. I dedicated my book to all those who suffer in silence. This book is not about me. It's about everyone else. So what I want everyone hearing is it's like, that attitude of, I, 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 I have an obstacle. I have a challenge. I'm going to figure out what I need to do. Who can I go to, to help me? Is it a professor? It is, is it a colleague? Don't keep that stuff inside. You cannot get the help that you need. If you're going to sit and try to solve the problem with the same mind that created the problem, you need to have other people in your life that can guide you. I do not need to be the smartest person in the room. I prefer not to be the smartest person in the room. I love not knowing. I love being poured into. And because in a lot of my career, I am the person who knows more, you know, but that doesn't mean that that's how I want to look. Like I love being around people who know more than me. And even, even in my own community, I run a group called Say It Out Loud. My community members, man, they, I, I grow every day just being around my community members, you know, because like they're amazing. And it's like, we're all in this group committed to being our most self-expressed self. So that's what I, I, I really want to hit home with your, with, with everyone listening is like, go after what you want. Like, don't just sit on it, say it out loud. Yeah. And I think equally as important as saying it out loud is also listening to other people. Cause I feel like you, like you said, it's not about us. Like, I think so many times we get caught up in like, okay, someone's saying something to me, maybe they're asking for help or asking for something. And I'm so like caught up in my own head about what am I going to respond? What am I going to say that it's actually just important to, even if you don't have all the answers to just sit there and listen and offer up whatever you can. So listening and presence is more powerful than your words. Sometimes I often joke and say, even though I'm the queen of saying it out loud, I love to shut the hell up. I don't like to talk a lot. I, I, I mean, you would actually be very surprised. I mean, after this interview, I plan on putting on my vibe lighting, listening to some jazz and eating some Indian food, like, and just be by myself, you know, like the, there is beauty in being present and just listening and, and learning from others. So I love that you said that Cameron, absolutely. And, and even if you're reaching out to people and yeah, you don't have all the answers, Don't make, just because you don't have all the answers to something doesn't mean that you cannot make that initial outreach. Like you want to be building relationships always. I have people who are coming out of the woodworks from my first master's, from my second master's, from people from my, people from my childhood that I grew up in on Long Island who are reaching out to me. Like your relationships are everything. So start cultivating them. And you can't do that isolated sitting behind your phone. That's so true. Let people see no you. facts. Let people, <laughs> let people know you exist. Y'all didn't know I exist. Now you do. Yeah. I didn't know you guys existed. And how beautiful. We don't know where this is going to take us a year from now. Ingrid or Cameron. No. Remember, that, remember that? Remember that crazy lady Vasavi that came on the podcast? She had that, <laughs> you know, and, and, and let's just say next year, we want to do another collab. And I, I come back like these are all relationships. Feature yeah, relationships exactly. like gold. And in order for you to create those relationships, you've got to get out of your own way. Exactly. Get out of your own exactly. Way. No. Okay. So I want to shift the conversation a tiny bit to talk a little bit more about your advice regarding entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So let's say we have a listener who maybe down the row is interested in either becoming um, a licensed therapist 
or uh, a communication coach or something in that nature, mm-hmm. what advice would you give them maybe now so that they can start doing now to build a career like this later on? I want you to pay very close attention to what comes easy to you. Like what comes so naturally to you that it doesn't even feel like work. It's just like, oh, this is just like an extension of who I am. This is just what I'm good at. You know, just, just, and own it, own it, own what you're good at, own what comes easy to you. Things don't always have to be a struggle for it to be more um, meaningful, right? Like think about who you are, what you bring to the table, get so clear on your personal values, get so clear on the value that you bring to people's lives. Like, you know, try (laughs) earlier than later to really strengthen and lean into your strengths rather than just trying to keep trying to fix you and fix you and fix you. Like, listen, there are some things that I just come to accept about myself. You know, there's just certain, certain things about myself that I'm just like, okay, but I accept that. And then I lean heavy into the things that just make me shine. And I just do more of that. And I lead with that. And that doesn't mean that you don't explore other parts of you, but it's like, know what your strengths are and know what your weaknesses are. You don't have to be good at everything, but if you can find one or two things that you love and you're really good at and just comes naturally to you, do that. And there's somebody out there who will pay you for that. So that leads me to the second thing is be very clear on the problem that you solve. What do you bring to the table that is rare, right? So one of the things that I always say, I was just, I was, I was just working with my mentor on my pitch because I'm marketing and branding myself as a, as a voiceover artist. And we wrote it and it was just brilliant. It was just kind of like, you know, anytime you feel like your audience or, you, you know, you feel like you're, you're lacking some life in your, in your life, you got to hire Vasavi Kumar. She brings the life back into your, into yourself. It was like, it was really well-written. And I was like, that is what I do. You know, you want to be able to look at a video of you or look at a written post that you've written or something and be like, that's me. You want to be like, mm-hmm. that's me. And, and, and if what you're putting out there, you can watch it back and be like, that's me. You've won because you're not any other watered down version of somebody else or yourself. So it's like, really start to own who you are and allow yourself to grow. Like own who you are. Don't compare yourself to other people. It's just you against you. It's you and you. It's not even against you. It's you with you, work with you, you know, and allow yourself to grow. You're allowed to outgrow people. You're allowed to outgrow your family. You're allowed to outgrow your beliefs. You're allowed to, you are a whole grown ass person. Yeah. (laughs) You're a whole person. You have your own set of morals, ideal, like, do you, you got to ask yourself. And as an entrepreneur too, question what you've been told, question Mm -hmm. what you've been told about money, question what you've been told about friendships, question what you've been told about what you've been told about sex and success success. And oh, if I become too successful, I can't do this. Like question everything and, and start to think for yourself. And the way you do that and become your own individual person and speak with clarity and conviction is by knowing who you are. But you only can figure out who you are when you actually start to question what you're currently telling yourself about who you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Exactly. I think something that helped me with this too, because I I feel like for so long, like I had people telling me like, you just need to look inwards and like be really like mm-hmm. interested. And like, I feel like that doesn't really come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. So something that helped me with that, I did this for one of my classes because we were trying to figure out like our strengths and weaknesses, exactly like what you were saying. And we actually reached out to five people that we felt like were like in our inner circle and closest to us, but like in different ways, like my parents and then some of my friends, people that see me in different lights, but are also like very in my inner circle. And something that was so interesting was that like, I wrote down what I thought for myself. And then I got the list from all of them. And it was so interesting to see that like most of their lists matched. And then like, I was kind of off on some things. And so I would just, if people think that they're not like super introspective or they feel like they can't come. Cause I was like, Oh no, like, I don't feel like I'll ever be able to get there for myself. I would just urge, maybe ask the people in your life that know you really well. And that can be a really good place to start too. I, I listen, start with the people in your own backyard that I always say that know you really well and they want the best for you. They want the best for you. Like people who want to see you win. And also I want to add one more thing um, for people who are as entrepreneurs, your community, your circle is everything. Like you, 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 you really cannot thrive in business when you have people in your life that are not 1000% genuinely happy for you. Like, 
If you sense jealousy, if you sense that ickiness, you know, when you feel it, I'm not going to say, listen, I'm not, I'm not in the business of canceling people. I don't do anything of that stuff. Like cut you off. I just keep my distance. I protect my energy and my peace at all costs. I don't hate you. I don't hate you at all. Actually, you know, it's just, you're just not for me because I don't feel like you have my back. I don't feel like you're happy for me. And I don't want people like that in my life because I would not treat somebody else like that. So be very mindful about who you associate with. That yeah, no, so- I think that's so important. Sorry, Cameron, we're both saying the same thing, yeah. I think, because we totally agree. <laughs> and I think it's not only just important, obviously, in entrepreneurship, but just in life in general. Like, yes. if there is someone, you know, you feel that. I feel like that's something, at least for me, that I've always had a good intuition about ever since I was younger. Mm. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've actually realized it more and be like, okay, I can step away. Like I've outgrown that person and it's okay to outgrow them. And it's okay to take a step back. I think when I was younger, I was, would sometimes be like, oh, you know, I see them in all my classes. Like I have to, like, I have to force this friendship. You don't need to do like, I'm, you know, we're in college. We're about to graduate. You, don't, yeah. you can do whatever you want. We're a whole person. Like what you were just saying before. And so Ingrid, I, I, that. Good. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'm, I respect that so much. And I wish I w- had that type of confidence when I was your age. I really do. So if you have that and you have that conviction, like it's not your job to carry people along in your life. If they're weighing you down right? Like what I would say is this, go fly, go be really successful and then go back and try to help people. Go do your thing. You be successful first. Like perfect example, LeBron James, you could say whatever you want about him, but he went, he made his money. He has his endorsements. He's done a really great job. And now he's going back to Akron, Ohio, and he's paying for all these kids, college uh, um, tuition. Like that's brilliant. Imagine if he didn't become LeBron James, what he is now. Exactly. And he was trying to help everybody. No, he wouldn't. He, you have to let go so you can soar and then go back and help people. That's what I say. Yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree. Okay. So what advice, because we talked all about your journey and how you've gotten to where you are now. So what advice um, would you give your younger self knowing the experience that you have now? Which age are we talking about? Honestly, any- <laughs> say like your younger self, maybe even in college, if you feel like that's appropriate. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to show you this picture and I'm going to tell you which, which younger. Okay. So this is the version that I'm speaking. This is, this is the, uh, the advice. Okay. So what advice would I give her? Cute. Yeah. Okay. Showing like what, how old do you think you're in that? I'm probably, uh, I'm I'm probably, uh, three or four, maybe. Okay, cool. The advice that I would give that version of myself is Don't be afraid of sharing your exuberance, your joy, and your passion because you're afraid other people won't be able to handle it. I love that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Simple, but gets to the point. And it's good advice, I think, for anyone at any age. Because here's the thing. People at the end of the day, they do business with people. People at the end of the day, feel energy. People love working with me. People love hiring me to speak. People love hiring me to host their events. Not because I'm the prettiest and the smart. I mean, I'm pretty damn good looking. I'll tell you that. And not because I'm the prettiest (laughs) and I'm the smartest and all of that, but because I'm silly and I'm fun and I have great energy and I'm smart. You are fun. You have amazing energy. Yes. And I'm smart, right? So it's like, you use, and I'm smart in the way that people like I'm get hired for the smarts that I love leaning into, you know? So even though my background is in licensed therapy, licensed social work, and I'm very well-trained and personally have lived, you know, and I can hold space for a lot of heavy emotion for people and people process with me. That's one part of me, but there's another part of me, that young girl that I showed that photo, very exuberant, very fun, People hire that part of me now for hosting, for speaking, for, for, you know, moderating panels and all this stuff. So it's like, there are so many different parts of us that we can cultivate and that we can monetize if we want to, you know, you are a walking, talking brand deal, you know, so you got to know all your parts and lean into them. No, I love that. I love that. And so um, now we're going to transition into our next section that we 
ask all of our uh, guests whenever they come on. It's called the rapid fire question segment. So we're just going to ask you a couple of questions. Um, we won't really give you that much time because it's rapid fire. So you just mm-hmm. answer whatever is at the top of your mind. Um, so let's start. <laughs> so the okay. first one Ready. usually, and I haven't seen them by the way, I have not. Seen oh, them, okay. So. Good. Okay. Good. Okay. This first one sometimes trips people up. So hopefully it won't, I don't think it will. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. So what is something that no one would expect about you? Dude. Okay. Hold on. Um, <laughs> I'm very, very, very sensitive, highly, highly sensitive to the point of, I look at tone. I look at, I'm, I'm, I, I'm very intentional about making sure people feel seen and loved around me. And so I do that in um, many different ways, right? I always make sure I say some, I call someone by their first name or I'll ask them their first name, you know, if I don't know it. Um, I'm very mindful of my tone of voice. And I'm, if I say something in a way that I was like, Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have said it. I'll immediately clean it up. I won't ever let anybody wonder what did she mean by that? You know, I'm just very clear and upfront and don't mistake my delivery for hardness of the heart. I have this one of the softest hearts of anyone that I know. Love it. Okay. What is your morning routine? And we want to have all the details. So nothing's too detailed. No, listen, I literally <laughs> for this. Okay. So first thing in the morning, it's not the same every day, but there are consistent things. There are three three to four consistent things that I do every single day. Okay. Um, in the morning, first thing, like before the thoughts start coming in really hot, you know, with all the things I got to do, I say out loud, thank you God for another day of life. First thing, because my mind will just go. I'm like to-do list. Let's freaking go. We got to go. We got like, and I don't want to live my life like that. I don't want to live my life being driven by a to-do list driven by my mind. So I pause before I even get out of bed. And I say, thank you, God, for another day alive. And the other thing that I do is I cuddle with my dog. I have a golden retriever. She's 12 and a half. It is her hips are, her hips are starting to, you know, and it's like cringy to watch her, you know, but we cuddle. I get on the, I make my bed. So I say, thank you, God, another day alive. I get out of bed. I make my bed first thing in the morning and I make it like perfection. It has to be like perfection in the morning. I love it. I cuddle with my golden retriever because she's always right next to me brush my teeth, wash my face, do all the things, you know, change into clothes, uh, put on my sneakers, whatever. I just have that on, make my, make my oat milk latte. I mean, I have my two shots of espresso. I, I steam my oat milk. I mean, and I infuse it with some maple syrup and cinnamon. It's like a whole vibe, whole ritual. Like it's still kind of dark in my house. I open up the blinds. The sun's starting to come in. I play jazz music. I feed my dog because she will just stare at me until I feed her, you know, and I just can't have her eyeballs just staring at me. So I let her out. It's like a whole thing. We do all of this at once. By the way, guys, it's not like step by step. Literally, I'll be like, Lainey, let's go outside. I'll open the door for her. Then I'll go get the food. Then she's staring, looking at me at the door like, okay, can I come in now? So then I got to let her back in, making my coffee. And then I usually take my coffee and I just walk in my little cul-de-sac. I'm not, I try to knock out, I do 10, you know, 10,000 steps a day. I don't knock them all out in one sitting because I got stuff to do, (laughs) but I will (laughs) make sure I, throughout the day, I hit my 10 K. So I try to get in at least three to 4,000 in the morning. And during that time, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to my community. I'll, I'll, I'll share a story on my Instagram. My handle is my name is Vasity. Go ahead and follow me. You know, I'll just do, I'll, I'll check in with my mom or I'll listen to some music, but I move first thing. I caffeinate, I hydrate, I hydrate, I caffeinate. I go to the bathroom, all that good stuff. And I get moving. <laughs> That's what I do every morning. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I, the, that latte sounds delicious. I need to add, so you add maple syrup to it. Okay. And so, you try okay it. so let me just tell everyone. Okay. So if you have one of those steamer frothers, I put in the oat milk and as it's frothing, I keep the lid open because uh-huh. it always spills over and I get so irritated that I have to clean up. So I just keep the lid open as it's steaming and I just squirt in some maple syrup and I put in some cinnamon and I even put in a few drops of vanilla extract as the milk is steaming and frothing and it's like sweet. Oat milk. I mean, like it's a, just that sounds later. so good. I'm going to try that. I'll try thank it me later. Yes. <laughs> okay. So next question is, like, is you guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Ingrid, so you our- stopped this whole interview to talk about the oat milk, by the way. 
You like needed to know how I did that. I love that for you. Okay. Well, let me know how it goes. Okay. Next question. Okay. So our next question is who is your favorite entrepreneur or leader? Hmm. Okay. My favorite entrepreneur or leader. I do love Gary V. I know people say all sorts of things. I, I love him because he stays true to his values and he is an immigrant and he openly talks about his immigrant mentality. So I love him because of his immigrant mentality. And I relate to that because I also have an immigrant mentality. Um, who else do I love? I, and I, who else who I love has changed a lot, you know, like it's just, it evolves. But right now, even in this season, um, I really love Kate Northrop. Kate Northrop actually, I've known her for years. She endorsed my, um, she endorsed my book, Say It Out Loud, but she's all about helping people make relaxed money. She's all about feeling safe in your nervous system for you to expand your uh, abundance, you know, with, with, with money and really allowing yourself to receive more. I love her approach. I love the way she speaks. She, when I listen to her talk, I feel like, yes, it can be easy. It doesn't need to be hard. So I love her. Kate Northrop is, is awesome. And she's, she's written a few books, actually. Do Less and also Money, A Love Story. She's written two books. Awesome. I love when people come on the podcast because they always like introduce us to new people to like yeah. and follow and stuff. So I'm definitely yeah. her. Yeah. Okay. Next question. What is your favorite TV show to binge? Or if you're not into that, like movies and things. Okay. I'm into all of it. Okay. First, let me tell you something. I'm okay. Oh my God. There's so many. I finished the Mindy project. I can't believe that I never even watched it before because Mindy Kaling Indian, you know, hollow. Why didn't I watch it? It's on Netflix. <laughs> Finished that beginning of January. I'm about to rewatch season two Bridgerton because hello, the slow burn and the tension. I'm like literally leading that in my life right now. So that I just finished season two of sex life. And then I just finished you season, season, what? Four oh my God. Si- so psycho. Good. But like, Joe, I mean, get it together, Joe. Like I no spoilers, but it's like, bro, like you need to come to me. Let me heal you. You know, let me help you, Joe. Actually, Joe needs you. Joe Joe really needs to say it out loud. Let me tell you, because he has has some voices in his head that has him do some stupid ass things. So you, and then what am I doing next? Like anytime I just am eating something and I'm like, I just need something that I don't need to think hard about. I'll always put on an episode Uh of Seinfeld. Seinfeld is easy. My dad and I used to watch it. I've seen every episode like a million times. Oh, and I just finished Unprisoned on Hulu with Carrie Washington. I'm a huge Carrie Washington fan. Love her acting since Scandal. I I was watching her since Scandal. Oh yeah, Um, I love Scandal. Yeah, that's, 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 oh my God. Should I be watching something else? Tell me more. I have nothing to do. You have really good taste in shows, honestly. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, you honestly gave me a lot of recommendations because, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of this. I obviously love Bridgerton, but everything else I need to watch. I need to watch it again. Like, I, I need, I need to embody Kate in this lifetime. She gives zero (laughs) Fs about this guy and she makes him wait. And that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. So our next question is, uh, do you have a favorite book or podcast? My favorite book is conversations with God by Neil, Neil Donald Walsh. I actually interviewed him on my radio show back in the day. He wrote an, uh, an entire book about it's a, it's, it's him and his conversation with God out loud. The entire book is just his conver- And it's such a peaceful book because he's, it's the most beautiful representation of a God that I love. It's not a punishing God or a God that's like, you're going to go to hell. It's just the the most beautiful version of God inside of us, which is just pure love. So I really loved that. It was the first time that I was like, I felt so seen because this author had been like, basically put the voice of God out loud and made a book about it, you know, and he's written three books, but conversations with God is my favorite. Yeah. Awesome. And also, Actually, we'll we'll get to your book after this next question yeah. where you can tell a little bit more about that. Yeah. But the last question that we ask all of our guests is what does founding fearless mean to you? Founding fearless means to me that you are claiming your identity as a creator. You are claiming your identity as a founder, as a first person to have done this or first in your family, even first in your first in your community, you know, it doesn't. Yeah. So first of any kind, you are willing to put yourself out there and look for a solution and be the founder of the look for problems and be the founder of the solution. And fearlessly is listen, nothing and no one is going to get in your way. You got to be powered by God. You got to be powered by something bigger than yourself. And that's truly what it takes to be fearless. 
Because if you're powered by something bigger than yourself and you have full faith and trust in the divine, what is there to be afraid of? Really? If you look at your life, if I look at my life, y'all, and everything I've been through from being raised in a pretty much all white town, being bullied growing up, feeling, having like no sense of identity and confused, conflicted identity. And then, you know, just dabbling down the road of, and, and eventually burning my life down, you know, having to go to rehab, not once or twice, dealing with addiction and recovery, mental health issues, being diagnosed with, if I look at everything in my life and look at me here today, talking to y'all, I got through it, right? I'm here. So what my life has taught me is that God will always show you the way, but you have to stop resisting and you have to stop acting like you are, you know, everything, you know, and you got to allow yourself to be guided by that voice within, which is the voice of intuition, which guess what? It doesn't always make sense. It's not always the easiest voice to listen to. It forces you to do things that you're like, oh, shoot, can I really do this? Do I have what it takes? But you have to have trust in something bigger than yourself. No relationship to something bigger than yourself is going to always make you feel like you're just floating through life. You have to be anchored in something. I don't care if you believe in a tree and tree is your God, but whatever keeps you rooted within and solid as a rock, because everything and every Everyone will try to tell you why you're not good enough, why your idea sucks, why this is not possible. You have to be powered something greater than the voices of all these other humans around you, you know? And so that's what I want to say. No, exactly. So thank you so much Vasavi, for coming on the podcast. So I know you were telling us about your book mm-hmm. and uh, tell everyone where you, they can find the book, where they can purchase it. And then also where they can find you on Instagram and your social media handles. Absolutely. So I'm very excited for this book to come out because um, it's, I wrote it and you can go to say it out loud book, say it out loud book.com. Here's what I want to say. When you pre-order the book and you can pre-order it anywhere, I'm available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, um, uh, Bookstone, oh, sorry, Waterstones, Booktopia. I mean, everywhere you can buy books. I am there. I've signed with the publishing house, um, New World Library. So we're everywhere right now. And in June, I will be hosting my Say It Out Loud virtual book club. So when you pre-order the book, the book officially comes out May 16th. And for those of you who pre-order, it should be on your doorstep by May 18th, which is my birthday, by the way. That's a God moment. I did not plan that. We did not plan this, I swear. But um, we have a book club in June and that's what you get as my gift and bonus to you when you pre-order my book. Um, so go to sayitoutloudbook.com. You also get access to a few of my meditations, my guided audio trainings. So you get a bunch of cool bonuses that I curated that I think will really help people with their self-expression and their self-awareness. And um, the live component of this is, well, it's virtual, but live, and I'll be leading it, is our book club in June. So go to sayitoutloudbook.com. Find me on Instagram at my name is Vasavi. That's the handle. My name is Vasavi. Send me a voice note. Say it out loud. Tag Ingrid, tag Cameron, tag KS Welly, and me. My name is Vasavi. Let us know what you loved about this episode. Say it out loud. And yeah, can't wait to, can't wait to see what you guys think about the book and about this episode, this crazy ass episode that we just recorded. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to subscribe and follow the Founding Fearless podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to like, rate, and leave us a review.